0: Well, I thought it might be fun to start off with something really uncomfortable this morning. That sounds delightful, doesn't it? So, on the screen there is going to be a verse. Psalm forty-six, ten. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I'm going to invite us to just be still, to be silent and to reflect on that verse for two minutes. Let's go. Congratulations. You made it. Now the question is, hands up if you felt that that was incredibly uncomfortable. Because I'll put my hand up for that. I do not like silence at all. And I don't know about you, but the idea of doing two minutes of silence, it feels like the longest two minutes of your life. It feels like it is never going to end. And it feels weird. And it feels awkward, and you feel unsure. And yet there is something wonderful when you're actually able to enter into this practice. Because for most of us, silence, stillness, solitude, these things aren't natural. We like to do things. We like to be doing things. We like to engage with stuff. We like to feel the noise around us, or make noise around us. And yet, when we're actually able to engage with that nothing, we create space around us. And so today we are starting a new series. It is called Spiritual Disciplines, Attention with Intention. And this is a series that we're going to be revisiting at various times throughout the year. And it is looking at spiritual disciplines. Practical practices that we can engage with in our lives to help us grow. To help us engage with God. To help us develop that relationship with Him. I want to thank Jen for managing to cut this sermon in half for me by introducing the idea of spiritual disciplines earlier and she used that passage from 1 corinthians nine twenty four to 27 where paul talks about the fact that faith is not a passive thing he likens it to being an athlete to training to developing it faith is not saying that we just engage with ourselves but it's something that we are called to put effort into that we are called to exercise to train to use self-control to help grow these things And a lot of these spiritual disciplines that we're going to look at, they are going to feel uncomfortable. They are going to feel awkward. They are going to feel the same way that I feel every time I walk into a gym, which I will admit is not very often. But at times you're going to feel out of place and like you don't belong there. And that is okay. And today, we have a two-for-one deal. We're going to start off this series with two disciplines for the price of one because I want to look today at the idea of silence and solitude. And as I do that, I have got four questions that I want to answer. What, why, how, and so what? So that first question, what is solitude and silence? Well, it's actually exactly what they sound like. So solitude is making the decision to temporarily withdraw from others, to temporarily move yourself away from the presence of other people so that you are by yourself to create space for God. Silence is similar. Silence is choosing to temporarily remove or reduce noise around us to create space to hear from God. And there are two very intentional things that I'm adding into those descriptions. One is temporarily. Even though we live in the desert, we are not called to be desert hermits. We are not called to just spend our lives away from other people. That is not what solitude is about, which I'm really grateful for. The other thing I'm really grateful for is silence is not about going, you know what, I am not going to speak for the next year. I'll probably last about five minutes. Now these disciplines are about temporarily doing them for a short time, so that you can engage with the things around you. The other aspect of these disciplines that I used in the definitions is both of them tie into each other because they are both about creating space in our lives, to create creating space in our lives for God to move to be involved, to engage with us. And these two disciplines work really well together. The idea of that attention with intention is you are intentionally choosing to focus your attention in a specific way, to shift it and make that space for God. And so that's what these are. But the next question is, why would we practice them? Why why do we need to deal with silence and solitude? Because they're uncomfortable. They're not nice. And one of the big reasons why we do it is because Jesus set the example. Jesus showed us what it means to engage in silence and solitude. All throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus going away from others. At the start of his ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. Before he chose the 12 disciples, he went up alone on a mountainside to pray, to create that space with God. As the disciples came back from the preaching mission, he encouraged them and he taught them to go away from the crowds, to have solitude. There's this lesson from God and from Jesus in it. But what about solitude? Why do we practice solitude? See, Psalm 46, we we saw verse 10 earlier, but Psalm 46 as a whole is a psalm that is a beautiful invitation to us to engage and to enter into solitude. In Psalm 46, the psalmist paints two pictures, two very different realities. You have the reality of the world and you have the reality of the kingdom of God. I want to just look at the first five verses and then move on to verse 10. So Psalm 46, verses 1 to 5. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Two very different pictures are painted there. Verses 2 and 3. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake, with their surging. It describes a world that is chaotic, that is destructive. It is a world that is crying out, hey, pay attention to this because it might impact you. Pay attention to this because you might have to run. Pay attention to this. Those are scary things. Those are big things out of our control, but they are things that are clamoring and calling out for our attention. Look at this. Later on in the psalm, it talks about nations being in uproar, of kingdoms falling, of wars, and so much more. The psalmist is painting this idea that the things of this world are crying out to us and saying, stop what you're doing, just look at me, pay attention to me. And then something else cries out and it's saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, pay attention. And even though we are more than 2,000 years on from when this psalm was written, this is a really accurate picture of today. See, I don't know about you, but I've already heard a couple of stories of the summer changes in Alice, that increased crime rate. I've heard a couple of stories from friends and it has made me kind of pay attention and look around a little bit more and go, what's happening? Who's around? What's going on? It's heightened me. We constantly have news reports telling us depressing stories from near and far. These are the things that are going on in the world around us. These are the things that are happening. We have these in our pockets, full of apps and each app has a different way of trying to get your attention, trying to notify you, trying to say, hey, look at me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And on that, there's Facebook and Instagram and Be Real, all showing us the highlights real of our friends, all saying, hey, look at me, see what's happening. We have the people around us who want attention who need our attention, people at work who need a decision from us, who need us to make a decision. We've got our friends and our families who we want to give our time and attention to, but there's so many things that are clamouring for this attention. And then, to top it all off, you have the dog at the back door who says, somebody play with me. This is the picture of a world that is just clamouring for our attention and not all of these things are bad. Our friends and family, people who want to be in relationship with us, these things are not bad, but it adds to the clamour. It adds to the noise. It adds to everything that is coming at us. And I don't know about you, but when there are constantly things wanting my attention, I start to kind of get a little bit heightened. I start to get a little bit hyped up. My adrenaline starts to go. And all of a sudden, I stop acting in response to things. You know, acting from the best place where you're able to make a decision, you're able to make it well, and you just start reacting. You do it by instinct, and it's not the best way to act. It's not the way that you want to. And the problem is that things keep coming, so you just keep reacting and reacting and reacting and reacting and reacting. This is the picture that the psalmist paints. And then there is the contrast. There is the kingdom of God. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. It is this image and this picture of God is a safe place, somewhere where we can run to, somewhere we can hide, somewhere that will protect us. Verse 4 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. A, stri- a river whose streams make glad. This is in direct contrast to the sea that is roaring and foaming, that is dangerous and chaotic. The river is peaceful, it is life giving, it is supportive. And then God is protecting. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. God is in this place, protecting this place. And so the psalmist paints two very different pictures, two very different realities, and it is into this that he gives us an invitation. Psalm 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Stop. Be still. Take a breath. Turn your focus away from those things around you and instead fix it on God. And this, this is why we practice solitude. This is why we do this thing that is very uncomfortable because solitude is something that helps us to refocus our attention on God. Because in solitude we are withdrawing from the people around us. We are turning our back on the things of the world. All those things that are clamoring for our attention, all those things that want us to pay attention to it, we ignore them. And we create space around us. We create space to sit in God's presence. We create space where we are reminded of who God is, his power, his majesty. We create space where we are reminded that, you know what? God is actually the one in control and I'm not the one who has to fix all these things. When you have a time of solitude in the morning, it helps you go into your day starting it off with your attention fixed on God. It doesn't matter what the day before was like. It doesn't even matter what your wake-up was like. It helps to refocus you for the day. Or maybe you could have a time of solitude in the evening. You could sit down in the evening and use it as an opportunity to just put down all the things that you've picked up during the day that you don't want to carry into your evening or into your tomorrow. Or maybe you need that solitude in those times of transition, on the way to work from home or on the way home from work. Maybe the idea of solitude that you need is to just drive up Anzac Hill and just sit in your car for a couple of minutes and create space to feel God's presence, to sit in it and know that he is God. Maybe your place of solitude is that comfy armchair in your lounge room or it's that seat outside in the sun. See, the thing about solitude is you don't have to go far. It's just temporary. It's just for a little while. Maybe it's even just going into your room and closing the door. But the thing that we need to remember is solitude is not just about going away from people. It is being intentional intentional about it. You move away from people to create space for God. To create space to engage with him. To sit in his presence for his strength, for his peace. Because he is our strength and our refuge. And so that is why we engage with solitude. But what about silence? Why do we engage with this? There's a great story in the Old Testament of Elijah. So Elijah has just had a battle with the prophets of Baal. They've had a competition to see which God is going to answer prayers and God has won outstandingly. It is literally a mountaintop experience for Elijah in his faith. And then afterwards... He's got the deflation. He is tired, he's depressed, and he goes and runs away. And God leads him to a cave. God leads him to a cave by himself and invites him to silence. And then in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This story is one of those ones that reveals one of those great truths to us. See, even though God could speak in that big, booming voice, and he does occasionally, we have it at Jesus' baptism, this is my son whom I love. More often than not, God speaks in a still, small voice. And so silence, this Practice this exercise of silence, of removing and reducing noise around us. It makes space for us to hear God's still, small voice. It helps us to hear the still, small voice, that whisper as we read Scripture. Scripture. It helps us to hear that still small voice inside our soul that comes with a holy discontent when we look at something and we say, that's not right. Someone needs to do something about it. It is that still small voice that whispers to us and tells us, hey, maybe you need to just go check on that person. Hey, maybe you need to go check and see how that person is doing. Hey, stop the car and turn around and just see What was happening back there? It's that still small voice, those nudges that we get. And as a church, we affirm the fact that God speaks to us. Every PM service, we share God's stories. We take the opportunity to stop and to be still and to reflect and ask ourselves a question. Where have we seen God at work? Where have we seen his provision, his inspiration, or his transformation in or around us? We affirm that our God is living and active, that he's interested in our lives and wants relationship with us. And the thing is, relationship comes with communication. Our God speaks to us. He whispers to us. But have you ever tried to have a conversation in a noisy restaurant or with the loud TV going? You're trying, you are focusing, you are looking at the other person's lips, trying to lip read, and you are still missing bits. You are still dropping bits. You are losing the thread of the conversation. That is what it's like with our relationship with God. That's what it's like when we are surrounded by noise. We miss bits that God is saying to us. And so this practice, this discipline of silence, it is, is, it is choosing to intentionally reduce and remove the noise from around us it is choosing not to have the tv or the radio going as background noise sometimes it is choosing sometimes when you drive to turning the music off it is choosing to close your windows so that you can't listen into the conversation of your next door neighbors even though it's really interesting it is choosing to turn your phone on silent, or even better, to put it in another room. And sometimes this practice of silence is choosing not to pray, but to listen. And I know that prayer is a two-way conversation, but so often we think about prayer as just us Talking to God, sharing our worries, sharing our concerns, sharing all those things on our heart. And that is good. God wants us to do that. But then we hang up the prayer phone before we give God a chance to respond. Silence is about making space to listen at the other end, to engage with it. And silence is weird, it is awkward, it is uncomfortable choosing to make that space for God, your, your mind is going to wander, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Because as we practice it, it is a powerful, powerful thing. It creates space so that we can hear what God is saying to us. So, how do I start? What do I need to do? What, what does this look like? And these ideas are going to be relevant for most of these disciplines. The first thing that I would say to you is start small and build up. Please don't go out of here saying, you know what, I am going to be silent for a day. That's not going to work well, and your boss probably won't like it either. Start small. Choose to spend five minutes in silence. The other thing is just like when you go to the gym, you need to do it consistently. That doesn't mean every day, but you have to do it regularly and consistently. So engage with silence and solitude the same way. Maybe do it a couple of times a week, or even just once a week, but keep coming back to it. The other really important thing is you need to prepare yourself. Don't leave a meeting where you are fired up, where you are angry and go, I'm going to have some silence with God to hear what he's going to say about it. Because I can tell you right now, all you're going to hear is your angry voice. You need to prepare yourself. For me, I like to have a cup of coffee and I like to read a bit of scripture, maybe a favorite verse, maybe a psalm or something like that. To just create that space in me to help Remind me, this is why I'm doing it and what I'm doing it for. And the other thing is, we talk about practicing the disciplines because you are going to fail a lot. And that's okay. If you fail, so what? Try again another time. But keep trying keep trying. See, some of these disciplines, you are going to go, you know what, I really don't like that. That's really uncomfortable for me. That's a discipline you need to keep trying. That's something you need to keep going back to, because if we just did the ones that we liked, that we enjoyed, that we felt good about, it's not going to help us grow very much. Instead, we have to keep engaging, even with the ones we don't like. And at the end of the day, we just have to try. Try. We just have to experiment. So, what are you going to do about it? Because it's not enough to just come and go, you know what, that was a really interesting thing about silence and solitude. I've never done that before, and I'm not going to start now. Throughout this series, we're going to be providing opportunities for you to engage with it. Later on in the year, we're going to be sharing about fasting, and we're actually going to invite the church to fast. As a church as a community as a group and it might be challenging but let's be challenged together but each time we want to give you maybe a starting point so i've got three ideas one read psalm 46 and finish with five minutes of silence reflect on it be still see what god says to you and i want to say I'd actually challenge you to do that for the rest of January. Um, Doing the same passage over and over has a really good benefit sometimes. Number two, make the intentional decision to schedule at least five minutes in silence and solitude once a week for the rest of January. Doesn't need to be much. But I intentionally said, schedule. Schedule. Put it into your calendar. Put reminders in your phone because when you build a habit, it is easy to forget. So make the decision to do it. Three, after praying, sit in silence for about five minutes, inviting God to speak. These are just starting points. Don't feel you have to do all three. Just pick one. Say, you know what, this is what I'm going to commit to. This is what I'm going to challenge myself with. This is what I'm going to engage with. Because the point of solitude and silence isn't for us to be able to go, look at me, I'm so good at this. It's to tune out the distractions of the world around us to create space for God to move and for us to hear his voice in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for Psalm 46. I thank you for that invitation that even though we live in a world that clamors for our attention, you give us an invitation to run to you, to move to you, to sit in your presence. And Lord God, I thank you that you are the God who speaks. You are a living and active God. You are in relationship with us and you want us to communicate with you and you want to communicate with us. Lord, we thank you for your still, small voice. But Lord, we know that there are so many times where it gets drowned out. God, help us to build these habits, these disciplines, to intentionally focus our attention on you, to intentionally make space to hear you, and to sit with you. Lord, where it's uncomfortable and difficult, Lord, help us to keep going and not give up. And Lord, I pray that as we engage with these practices, that we would experience a deeper relationship with you than we have ever had before. Lord, these things we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.